This is the Ed Milet Show. Compete, lead, and win. Hey, everybody, Ed Milet. I'm so excited to be back with you today with another program on the Max Out Show. We bring you people all the time that have maxed out areas of their life that are the best in the world. And the gentleman to my left, the reason I've been after him to do this show for so long is because I think he's maxing out multiple areas of his life. The obvious area is that this is one of the greatest boxers of the last two decades, and you might even argue in the history of the sport. And so the gentleman to my left here is retired this last year. It'll be a year ago this week, 32-0. and 32-0. and 0. Has not lost a fight since he was 14 years old and was an Olympic gold medalist, went on to win the Super 6 tournament in the Super Middleweight Division and was a light heavyweight champion of the world. And so this is one of the greatest athletes, but I think one of the great men in the United States. So Andre Ward, thank you for being here today. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. This is, uh, is going to be awesome. So I wish, as some interviews, I wish we were recording the pre-interview oh, because it's been, it's been so good. So thank you so much. Man, I'm happy to be here. Let's talk a little bit. We're going to go all over the place, as you know, today. So I want to talk about you, though. I want to get to know the person because, and by the way, you ladies that just heard me say, hey, I've got one of the great boxers of all time here, just realize one thing. This conversation is going to be about faith and life and peak performance and the champion's mindset. And so this fits everybody, every background, both genders, you name it, are going to be riveted today is my hope. So talk about a little bit how you grew up. We were talking about earlier um, off camera about your mom and your dad, but really your dad was like this central piece of your life. So how'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up and what was your upbringing like? Yeah, so I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, grew, up, grew up a little bit, maybe 15, 20 minutes outside of San Francisco uh, in a city called Hayward and then, know you know, a bigger city, uh, Oakland, mm -hmm. California. And, you know, I, my dad basically raised me as a single parent. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, my mother, she struggled with, you know, a substance abuse. Mm -hmm. She was kind of in and out, and my dad played the, the, the mother role and, and the father role. Mm. And my brother, that was his plight as well. He and I had the same father, different mothers, but his mother was also gone. So mm. we related to each other, and we had the same struggle and, you know, the same heartache and different things like that. Mm. Uh, from a mother's standpoint, and my dad stepped up, stepped up to the plate, man. He was, you know, he owned his own glass company. He was mm. a glazer and uh, just a blue-collar type of man. Right. And he was the one that, you know, he's responsible for introducing me to my faith in God. He's responsible for introducing me to the sport of boxing. Really? And really just teaching me how to be a, how to be a man. Do you think, I just thinking as you said it, do you think one of the reasons you're such a strong family person is because maybe there was an absence of a mother in your home and so like that just was something that was so important to you or are they not related at all? I, I think, I think it's just the, the example my dad, you know, mm -hmm. gave me and my brother. Like we didn't have everything, you know, mm -hmm. we grew up you know, middle class, maybe. Mm -hmm. I think that's safe to say, uh, lower middle class. And, you know, again, similar to yourself. Yeah. And, again, we didn't have everything, but one thing that we did have was a lot of love. Mm -hmm. Like, my dad loved us. We, we had a very imperfect situation. My father also struggled with drug addiction. Mm -hmm. You know, his drug of choice was heroin. Um, but he was a functional addict where my mother wasn't. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, I didn't know that. So he'd go to work eight hours a day, ten hours a day, then he'd come home and, and that monkey was on his back. Um, but yet he still, you know, love was a, was, a, was a pillar in our home and family was a pillar. And I think that was the example he set. And, and that's the example that I've taken, you know, now that I'm a man. Wow. I didn't know that. You know, you know that my dad, I'd consider my dad was a functional 
addict, alcoholic too, mm -hmm. but functional. It's really interesting. I'm just curious, did your dad all his life struggle with that or is there a point where that ended up getting cleaned up? I think my father started using heroin probably 18, 19 years old or mm -hmm. something like that. And it was a, uh, I don't want to say her name, but it was a young lady he was dating at the time. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, my dad grew up in the 60s and 70s yep. and they didn't know yeah. really what they were doing to their yep. body. I know, yeah. You know, they're ingesting a whole lot, they're experimenting, <laughs> doing all kind of stuff. Yeah. And at that point when he broke up with that, with that girl and he found out that she was cheating on him, he, he spiraled. Mm. And I think that's when he kind of picked up the needle um, and really, man, it was something that he fought off and on for, for mm. 20 plus years. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. I, when we were talking earlier off camera, I watched your whole state change when you brought up your dad, though. Yeah. There's this a massive amount of respect and love that you have. I want to point that out to everybody, too. It's like, as parents, you know, you could have flaws as a parent, whether it be something like that or your, you know, some other addiction you've got or something. It doesn't mean that you, you can't be a wonderful parent with some of our flaws. There's no perfect parents. Yeah. Right? My dad's my uh, best friend to this right, day, right? right? But my man, for a long time, there was some real anxiety in my house. So, yeah. so you're growing up, dad's a centerpiece of your life. You got your brother there. Although it sounds to me like there's some anxiety going on still yeah. at that same time for you. Why boxing? Yeah. Like, did you play other sports? I mean, you know, this is a dude, I mean, remember what I said to me? Hasn't <laughs> lost since he was 14 years old, that's right? So <laughs> that's crazy to me. So. Why'd you pick boxing? Did boxing pick you? I think it's uh, a good question. Mm, thank you. You know, my, fir <laughs> my, my first love was baseball, though. Me too. I was a pitcher and a shortstop. Okay. And, you know, I was, I was all in. And I've always been like that. Like, no matter what I put my hands to do, even as a young kid, like, I, I gave it a thousand percent, mm. you know, maxing out. Mm -hmm. um, and then I started hearing my dad tell me these stories, these war stories about the fact that he boxed. And I was like, wait, mm. you fought? He's like, yeah, I was 15 and I was a heavyweight, and he boxed at Crestmore High School in San Bruno, California. He was like, man, we had a boxing team, and he's just telling me all this stuff and these rivals. He had a rival, uh, you know, a Samoan kid named named Bringhurst, mm -hmm. and how they, you know, were at rival schools, and then they ended up fighting, and it was just like, I'm like, man, like I, I don't want to play baseball anymore. Like I, I want to box. Mm -hmm. And my dad, he's like a no nonsense kind of guy. He's he, he'll get literally give you the shirt off his back. I've seen him do it, mm -hmm. but yeah, he doesn't play any games. He's like, listen. If, if you say you want to do this, we're going to do it and we're going to stick to it. I said, Dad, I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Next day, he took me down to the gym. The gym was closed. And he kind of lifted me up. It was like this big glass like, like window. And I looked inside and I saw the boxing ring. And I was like, whoa. Like, I, I fell in love that day. Wow. Came back the next day. The gym was open. And he signed me up. I was nine years old. And um, didn't start off too well. Wow. Uh, guys were having their way. Yeah. Um, kind of getting beat up, but mm. I was still tough. I didn't quit. And my dad was like, ah, oh, he doesn't have it. A few weeks later. Your dad said, ah, oh, he doesn't have it. Yeah, if my father had his way, yeah. I probably wouldn't be sitting here with you, the accomplishments that I have in the sport of boxing. Okay. Um, Huge lesson for people to listen yeah, to yeah, right yeah. there. No, facts. Huge lesson. Okay. So, kept going a couple, couple more weeks, kept progressing, and then I ended up meeting this trainer who ended up becoming my godfather and my lifelong trainer, Virgil Hunter. And Virgil was just kind of off to the side, and he was kind of in between kids. You know, you train mm -hmm. kids when you, as a coach, and, you know, they just get disinterested, and they yes. no longer want to do it. And he was at that point. Um, he was just kind of sitting there, and he, you know, I saw my father kind of talking to him, and I was hitting the bag, and then I'd look over and hit the bag again and look over. And basically my dad told Virg that day, he said, man, I'm looking for a coach for my son, but 
I want my son to learn how to hit and not get hit. Mm -hmm. And Verge mm -hmm. kind of laughed. He said, that's my specialty. <laughs> that looks like his face, by the way. You said it, too. <laughs> that, that's my specialty. And we've been together ever since. That's incredible. Who thinks there's so much there? Like, who thinks your dad lifts you up to look through that window that day and that the little boy looking back in that window ends up being you, mm -hmm. the gold medalist? undefeated boxer. I mean, it's crazy. so few people in the history of the sport have done what you've done. It's crazy. And this little boy gets held up. And I also love the part that you weren't just naturally dominant in the beginning, right? Because a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of young athletes watch this too. And I think they think, hey, man, if it didn't come completely easily to me, maybe it's yeah. not meant to be. Yeah. And, and obviously that's not the case. You but can that, speak that's to that. the crazy part about as, as much as I've been able to accomplish, I've never felt like boxing came easy to me. Really? Like, I look at the Floyd Mayweathers. I look at the Manny Pacquiao's. I look at the Ali's. And to me, on the outside looking in, even though I know the sport is grueling and it's tough and it's hard, it looks like it comes easy to those guys. Like, mm -hmm. just, it's just natural. I always felt like I had to work, like, more than the next guy. Oh, my gosh. Um, don't get me wrong. I know I have talent. I know I have skill. But I never felt like it came easy. Wow. And that, up until my last fight, you know, over a year ago. And that helped me, though. Hmm. I felt like God gave me enough, but he didn't give me an overabundance where I could get lazy. Like, my work ethic is what separated me from the rest of the pack. <laughs> I'm fired up right there. Okay, so, so how, how um, brother, you just blow my mind. Like, you have a guy sitting here who's like, there's really two, to me, in the last 15, 20 years, there's a couple other guys, but there's like Floyd and you, yeah. right? The two undefeated guys. And obviously your personalities are completely different, mm -hmm. right? And, and it's one of the reasons I also want to feature you to a non-boxing audience mm -hmm. too, is I want them to understand what a world-class mindset's like and also what, where a good man, a God, a humble man, a family man can still win in these other areas of his life, which you've done. So it's amazing to me to think that something you were so dominant at. I mean, there's, the, there's people that are great at something, then there's you know, outstanding, but then there's like the one millionth of one percentile, which is what you've been in, in this sport. And to hear that it doesn't come naturally to you uh, just blows my mind. Talk just for a second. I'm just curious because I didn't know I'd go there. Virgil, did he play a role in your life in any other way other than boxing? In terms of your confidence oh, no, or no any question. of that other stuff? Yeah. Like even your demeanor to yeah, some yeah, extent. Yeah. And watching him in interviews, he's got sort of a uh, I'm sure he burns rages on the inside, yeah. but he's got kind of a cool, calm yeah, exterior about him yeah. that I see in you, too. Go ahead and speak to that. No, nah, I mean, I, I have a lot of my father in me, and I also mm. have a lot of a lot of Verge in me. Mm. Um, it, it's hard not to have their imprint on me, you mm. know, when I've been around them and spent so much time, uh, you know, we spent so much time together. And that, that, again, that's probably something throughout the course of my life uh, as a fighter and just as a man that has separated me is, like, they came... You know, Virgil and my dad came from the old school. Mm. Like, they didn't come in the social media era where, you know, a lot of athletes today, they'll show you the hard work and, and, and you really don't know how much work they're put, really putting in behind mm. the scenes. Like, we really got it the hard way. Yeah. And one thing that they always, like, we didn't just go to the gym and work the body. They always were working my mind. Mm. Whether I was on my way to a run that morning and didn't really want to be there and was dragging, getting ready mm. as an as a 11, 12-year-old kid, or going to a big tournament where I wasn't touted to really do anything. Mm. Like the mental reps, him being in my ear year after year, day after day, telling me, listen, son, you're meant to be here. I'll give mm. you an example. Uh, Athens, Greece, yeah. in 2004, uh, had not fought the upper echelon of international competition. 
had fought Puerto Rico, Mexico, but never the Cubans, never the Russians. Those were the, the countries that dominated boxing. They were really professional boxers in the amateur they are ranks. Profession right. they, they do it full time. Yep. And, and most of the time, unless they come over to America, mm -hmm. they don't turn pro. Yep. A smaller guy, I fought at 178 pounds, should have been at the lower weight class of 165 pounds, but I had a cousin that during the Olympic trials was trying to make it. And I said, okay, I don't want us to fight. I think I'm going to grow anyway, so let me go up. Are you kidding me? You took a different weight class? I didn't, I didn't grow like I, was, like okay. I thought I was. Okay. So I'm weighing in every morning at 170, okay. 171, maybe 72 on a good day. I'm drinking waters and Gatorades and, and, and Powerades just to, just to be respectable wow. when I get on the scales. Gotcha. And the weight master, they would look at me and say, oh, you're little, you're small, you should be lower. Mm. And I just kind of point to the sky. Mm. I had a burner phone that they gave us and Verge had a burner phone and he would just call me and he'd stay in my ear. Mm. Look, son, you're here for a reason. God didn't bring you this far for nothing. Mm. And those types of words like would, would just like just cause me to be emboldened. Mm. You know, when, when we first got the draw and I found out what bracket I was in, I got the toughest bracket. Yeah. Yevgeny Makinrenko, the two-time mm. world champion from Russia, was gonna be my second fight if I won my first fight. And everybody's kind of like, you know, everybody on the U.S. team was like, oh my God, you know, act like it was a death. Like, mm. man, Dre got, got a tough draw and this and that. And Verge said, that's the way it's supposed to be. Mm. That mentality that he had, mm. that those types of words, that type of faith and belief has been something that has been ingrained in me, instilled in me, drilled in me since I've been a kid. Well, that's gold. The, th the couple of gold things. One is just having somebody in your life that you can find and seek out that's feeding you all of these you know, these beliefs, this confidence you have, finding that mentor in your life. And then also the part that you shared earlier, I just want to make sure we reiterate too about if your dad had it his way in the very beginning, you probably wouldn't have even been boxing. Be and that's true for me in my career. I think if my family had it their way in the very beginning, I'd have been working at, you know, yeah. some employee job and mm. paying my bills. And so, so many of you out there listen to these voices you have in your family. These people who love you, but they don't necessarily have the vision or the wisdom to know exactly where you're supposed to go in your life. Thank God that you got Virgil and your own beliefs in your yourself too but so i just curious because i've never won one and almost everybody out here has never won one and i did not know that you were undersized i think that makes it even more oh, yeah. incredible yeah, yeah. and that you'd not fought on that level really prior to with some of these guys what what is it like to win a gold medal i mean t take us through that just for a second i want to know what that's like like yeah. you win a gold medal and they raise the country and you you i mean my god what does that feel like it's unreal like that it's a surreal like time it's a surreal moment and uh, when I look at, you know, the presentation uh, of my gold medal, and I actually in the 2004 games, ironically enough, I, I was the last U.S. gold medal, like out of all the sports, to win. So I didn't make it to the closing ceremonies, made it to the opening ceremonies. Okay. But when I look back at the video, like I wasn't smiling, I didn't seem happy, but it, and it, and I, I wouldn't say I was in shock, but I was just kind of just, I was taken back. You were. And I was just trying to process, like, because you literally fight, they shuffle you in the back, put your warm up on and then you come back out for the ceremony. And it was just, I was thinking about my father mm. who wasn't there. Your father had passed, um, My father correct? passed two years previously. Yeah. Um, and I just, I was like, man, we, we literally just did 10 years worth of work. Like it, it culminated into what we thought it was gonna be, which was a gold medal. Mm. And, and I represented my country. And at that time we had just went to war. That's right. In 2004, so we weren't liked. Mm. We started off in the Olympic games getting booed every time we walked out. And by the end, we had gained the respect and the love of the people, and they were cheering us on. So yeah. just, a, just a tremendous moment.
And, and one thing that, never, that I never lost sight of was that no matter what I do in my professional career, mm. I could turn out to be a bust. Mm. But I'm in the record books with yeah, Muhammad taken. Ali, George right. Foreman, Sugar Ray Leonard, and, and, and guys like that. Where's the gold medal? Where do you have it? It's not in the most prestigious place. Like, I move it around. Like, sometimes <laughs> it's in the safe. Yeah. Every now and again, I'll find a nice shadow box that I like, and I'll put it up. But I got this thing, like, I can't, no, nothing can happen to this gold medal. Like, mm. if I have it in a shadow box on my wall, and God forbid somebody ever breaks in, That's it's, like, it's, it's gone. That's what I be thinking. So I have it stashed and yeah. tucked away. It's not on display, and people get on me all the time about it. But I'm like, look, I've only got one of these. Yeah, of course. Like, literally one. I think one other thing about you that everyone needs to know, like, are you hearing this journey? <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Your, your father, single dad, dad's got some issues, wonderful father, instills all this. You meet Virgil. You're not naturally gifted. But here's the other piece of the y'all don't know. I want you to remember this. Your mess does not disqualify you from going forward and winning in your life, yeah, right? Yeah. Your current mess, what you're going through right now, whatever the turmoil is or the stress or even self-induced stuff you've done yeah. does not disqualify you from winning because just two years prior to winning the gold medal, your dad passes away, right? Yeah. And you go through kind of a time there yeah. where you were a little bit of a mess, yeah, right? Yeah. Prior to two years later, you're raising your hand up as a gold medal winner. Just talk, take them back just one little step, mm -hmm. just a couple years prior to that, because we all go through our wilderness period in our life, right? This difficult time, our mess time. Take them through that just a little bit for you. Give yeah. them some hope about that. Yeah, everybody's wilderness looks different. And sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, it's God inflicted. God will take you through some things and, and he'll want to take you through mm -hmm. to get you on the other side and, and, you know, grow you and stretch you and teach you. And then sometimes the wilderness is self, you know, self-inflicted in things that we, we, we do to ourselves. Yeah. So mine was self-inflicted. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my father passed in 2002 abruptly uh, from heart disease mm -hmm. and I was already kind of you know teetering a little bit mm -hmm. you know one foot in in the boxing game and, but also a little burnt out and just trying to you know do things that I'd never like done before Got like I be. had a very strict life mm -hmm. growing up you know mm -hmm. I didn't hang out a lot mm -hmm. I didn't really get a chance to go to parties and do do certain things it was probably good on one hand yeah. kept me out of trouble but I lost a childhood like committing to this sport yeah so at that time, I was just kind of ready for a break, but it's kind of taboo in the house. It's not really something you can just go, yeah. hey, Dad, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to do this thing yeah. that you guys have invested thousands of dollars, <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars <laughs> in, hours. ran up credit cards, yeah. sacrificed to get me to tournaments. Like, you just don't want to say that. Yeah. Um, so when my dad died, like, that was kind of my excuse to, mm. to kind of go buck wild. And I did everything that I wanted to do. You know, I drank, I put things in my body I wasn't supposed to, and I almost lost it all. Mm. Um, I can remember calling Verge, and mind you, he, at that time, worked in the probation department. He ended up retiring after 20 years, and he has a gift to, to work with young men, to talk to young men. Mm. And he used to just remind me. I'd say things like, man, I don't, you know, I'm not interested in going to the Olympics, man. I just want to live my life. He'd he just kind of chuckle and say, son, listen. I hear you, but if you let these Olympics pass you by and you don't keep the promise to your father that you made, um, you're never going to be able to live with yourself. And you see some guys that you know you can beat, he said, you're not going to be able to live with yourself. He said, so go ahead, enjoy yourself. And I'd kind of, man, and I'd get mad and I'd hang up. But when I hung the phone up, it was eating at me. Mm. It was eating at me. Mm. And my father, like I said earlier, gave me my foundation and my faith. Yeah. I strayed. But it was always gnawing at me. Yeah. I wasn't raised like this. Mm -hmm. I know I'm doing wrong. Mm -hmm. Man, wh 
what if Verge is right? What, what if the Olympics mm. come and go and I don't, you know, mm. and, I, and I don't become what I'm supposed to become? Mm. And one thing that always, always stuck in my head was I didn't want to be the guy on the side of the road that people walked by and said, man, that guy was a bad boy. He just couldn't get it together. He mm. blew it. Mm. Um, so wow. between the drinking, the partying, the running the streets, I just got to a place, man, where I knew my time was, was running out. And yeah. I don't necessarily mean my life was gonna end, but I knew something bad was getting ready to happen. Yeah. My mother, who, she struggled with mm. uh, a crack addiction, like we said, for about 20 years. But at the time that my dad died, she was doing well. She had given her life back to the Lord. She was in the church and she was, you know, attempting to get back into my life. She called me out of the blue one night. <clears throat> I remember I was sitting in a car with some friends and I had a little flip phone. And, uh, <laughs> No smartphones. Yeah, that's right. And she said, she said, you know what? And she said, what's going on? I said, no, mom, I'm just hanging out. I'm just chilling. She said, I don't know what you're doing, but whatever you're doing, you need to stop. I said, what are you talking about? She said, I just saw a picture of you, and it looked like a picture that should be on an obituary. And that, that shook me to my core. Because I knew enough about God to know that the warning a lot of times will come before destruction. He'll give you warnings. He'll send people to you. He'll, he'll, he'll nudge you. He'll prod you. He'll push you. And a lot of times if we don't accept that nudging and that prodding and that pushing, that catastrophe, that thing is going to happen. And I felt it internally, man. And I just mm -hmm. got to a place, man, where I threw my hands up. And I called Virgin. I said, man, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm done, man. He said, well, come on home. Oh, wow. And the rest was history, man. I started to, to slowly give my life back to God and accept my father's abrupt passing mm. uh, and kind of facing that and dealing with that instead of numbing myself to avoid it. And God just slowly just healed me, man. He just healed me in, from the inside out. I started to regain my love back for the sport of boxing, my love back for the Lord. And the next thing I know, man, I'm, I'm on the Olympic team and I'm representing my country in 2004. Okay. Easily one of the most favorite things I've ever heard in my damn life is what you just said. Uh, you parents out there, <laughs> parents, number one, there's the part where you go rewind <laughs> and you go play this for your children yeah. who may be in one of those spots. Yeah. It's also for you, those of you that have maybe strayed, people say, hey, were you after your dream all the time? I've lost some of my drive and ambition. All of us, that stuff ebbs and flows. I'm not after my dream 100% all the time. Yeah. There's times where these things ebbs That's and flow. True. Our faith, both of us have struggled at different times with yeah. our faith in coming back. And that is just so amazing. You guys, did you forget that you're listening to a world-class athlete? Because you usually all you would hear just ego, 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 ego. I, I, I'm amazing. One of the things that's so wonderful about you is I want people to know there's this good man of God. There's yeah. this humble man. There's this guy who's self-aware mm -hmm. of his struggles. Clearly, by the way, we haven't even got to professional boxing yet. Yeah, that's yeah. why this is so good. But clearly there's so many lessons in there. But mm -hmm. one thing that everybody can tell keeps coming up is your faith. Mm -hmm. So I want to just talk about that for me because mm -hmm. I'm willing to share that as well. And neither yeah. one of us do it in a way where it's in your face. Yeah. We just let people know that it's our foundation. They right? got to make the choice. They got to make the choice, exactly. But just speak to it just for a minute so that people understand <clears throat> the role your faith plays in your life, has played and continues to play to this time. And by the way, do you ever struggle with it? Have you ever struggled with your faith other than that one time in your life? Yeah, I mean, I, I have moments not to that degree um, because coming out of something like that, like that's always like a, it's always like a marker for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like almost like a memorial that when I do, uh, start to struggle at any point. Like I go back to that and I'm like, man, there's no way 
that I could have come out of that if if it wasn't for God. I'm the same way, and I want you to continue to answer that. People say, how'd you win in your career? And I'm like, well, I did do this, 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 and this. Like, I trained this. I, but to be honest with you, some of it's sort of a blur. Like, yeah. I almost feel like at some point, the Lord just sort of picked me up and yeah. carried me yeah, for yeah. a while. Yeah. I can't completely explain all yeah. of it to you. And isn't some of your success in some weird way, this is what I want all of you to be successful. In some weird way, some of the successes I've had are almost like a validation of my faith because I know I'm yeah, not that good. Yeah. I don't know if you feel that way, but yeah. go ahead. No, it's true. And I, and I feel like I feel like the way that, that my success has come, like it hasn't been easy. And mm -hmm. I don't know if success, like true lasting su success is ever easy. Um, but for me, like I feel like God has always put me in a, in a place and I've talked about the level of talent that I felt like I had. He's always put me in a place where he's given me just enough but there's always been like a gap between like me being the best mm -hmm. and like like that gap is like faith, hard work and, and belief. So when I do get to the to the end goal, it's almost like God is saying, you know, you didn't do that on your own. <laughs> That's how I feel. Wow. And mm -hmm. that forces me to give him the glory. Mm -hmm. um, wow. And it keeps you humble. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of people say that like, man, you're so humble. And it's like, yeah, but you don't know what I've been through. Mm -hmm. And I know that if I start feeling myself a little too much and I start getting lifted up, it might get bad ugly. That's what happens with so me. internally I know this. Me too. So he'll always kind of slap me back a little bit when I'm starting to feel me a little yeah. bit. And we all start doing that from time to time. Yes. Yes. It's yes. natural. Yes. Same here. So it's the centerpiece like for you of your life is really your faith though. True? Yes everything man. Um like I've seen too much, I've been through too much to to go back. Mm. I've seen too much. And mm. you know I respect people you know, when they're trying to figure it out or maybe they don't believe in God. And, and like you mentioned a few minutes ago, like it's not something that you push on people. You know, God, God is a lion, man. You don't have to, he can defend himself. You know, if a person wants to know, hey man, how did you do this? And I'm open to share. Um, but hopefully my life is speaking you know, just as loud, if not louder than the words that I'm saying. I believe it does. I'll just tell you guys, you know, there are very few people I've chased to have on the show. The good <laughs> thing about the show doing well is I don't, they want to come on the show. Yeah. I've chased him for quite a while. Like, <laughs> I've texted you a lot of times, oh, yeah. right? Because I wanted this message to get out. I want our young athletes to see this. I want the athletes I coach to see this. I want the business people. There's no difference between business and boxing anywhere else. But you do forget <laughs> when Andre's talking, you forget that this is, Especially in boxing, because it's sort of a swaggy, ego-driven sort of sport, which you got to have that confidence in yourself. Absolutely. I have total self-confidence, but a lot of my confidence comes because I know i got God in my corner all the time, right? And you work hard. And I work hard, exactly. Just like, well, obviously like you do. Let's talk a little boxing. we got to go there. Bit. We'll talk some family, but let's talk some boxing. So, uh. I'm curious. I'm a, bit, I'm a big boxing fan. So, when you became on my radar was during the Super Six tournament, yeah. okay? So that was, and they called that the the, the super middleweight division at the yeah, time, super correct? middleweight, 168 pounds. But basically, I'm paraphrasing, Showtime got together and said, let's just find the best one in the world. And they put the six of you in this tournament. It ended up being a seventh dude or something. Wasn't Jermaine Taylor in it originally, or what happened with Well, there were guys that, like, guys would get knocked out or get injured, and then they replaced Place them, but guys. it was That's always, it the was. court was always six. So, again, you had Kessler, you had Frock, or Frock, whatever they call them. There's some, <laughs> there's some dudes in this tournament, right? Yeah. And you ended up winning that tournament. I'm curious, when it started at that level, was that a new level for you? And, like, did you have fear? Like, did you wonder whether you were the man of those six? Uh, how'd that work for you? I had to drop everything. Mm. We went, we got in the car, got back to San Diego, flew to the Bay Area, literally dropped my family off, packed a bag, 
double ear infection, got on a red eye, oh. went to Germany, and was there the next morning to announce the second leg of the Super Six and was this close to not being a part of it. That's crazy. And the way they filmed it, everybody, by the way, th this was so powerful. All this 24-7 stuff you see now, this is kind of the original of that. Yeah, it was. And it was so well done. It really changed to some extent how boxing was promoted on either Showtime or HBO, too, the way they laid it out. But I watched it closely, and you weren't the dude they were sort of steering the cameras towards in nah. the beginning. I and mean, it was really interesting. It was the other guys that I've mentioned before. And I remember you won, then you won again. I'm like, oh, this dude's got a chance to win this whole yeah. tournament. So, so either, every one of these fights, just curious, when you went into it, I, I just want to know how like a world-class person thinks or doesn't think. You're there at that thing in Germany. You see these other five dudes. Are you like, I'm going to win this tournament? or? I've always had that belief. Like, my career was, my professional career was guided um, very meticulously. You know, the powers that be, the networks, the suits, the promoters, like they, they want bang for their buck. They want to make the most money as quickly as possible. And I had opportunities to fight some of the guys that were in the tournament maybe a year or two earlier. And it was for more money than I'd ever seen and, wow. you know, great opportunity. And, you know, I called Verz like, man, they're going to give us, you know, 600000 and we get to fight on, you know, HBO and this and that or Showtime. And, and he said, no, no. He said, hold on. He said, I understand that, you know, if we say no to this, internally there's going to be some blowback. But he, he said, you know, when we fight these guys, I want you to be a, a full-grown man, mm. and, and I want you to destroy them. Like, mm. I, don't, I don't want, you know, no, I don't want you to be barely winning or barely eking by. Mm -hmm. And we did that like two or three times before the Super 6 happened. No and we get blowback, and some of the blowback spilled publicly. Mm. Where fans are saying, oh, you know, Wards, he's a gold medalist, but he's moving too slow. And mm. that's the heat you take. Yeah. That's the bullseye you have on your back coming in with a mm. gold medal. But in Germany, I really saw what the intent was. Mm -hmm. You had Mikkel Kessler, who was Mikkel Kessler at the time. He was like 42 and 1 or something mm -hmm. like that. But like, I don't know how many knockouts. Mm -hmm. He had more knockouts than I had fights. fights. You had Carl Frotch, yep. who was from the UK. And you had Arthur Abraham, and then you had oh, Abraham, three Americans. Yeah. Right, Jermaine Taylor, who was teetering. He was yeah. still relevant, but he was teetering mm -hmm. on, on, on kind of being done. Mm -hmm. You had the young guy, Andre Durrell, and then you had the other young guy and myself. And I could tell that everybody that was there, they just looked at us like we were just a token just to be there. Like, mm -hmm. these guys will make it interesting. Mm -hmm. Some namesake, young guys coming up. But these guys, these yeah. are the guys that are supposed to win. Yes. And I took exception to that. To the personal. I took exception to that, and I got on the phone. I called Bert. I said, "Man, they don't, they don't really expect me to win this." Mm. He said, "Oh yeah, I, I know." Mm. He said, "It's always been like that." Mm. He said, "But just watch, mm. unwavering faith. He's always yeah. that pillar." And and again, that jumped off on me. It's already confident, but now now it was personal. Mm. Now it was personal. Your physiology changes so dramatically. You go into your Virgil you thing. You into your dad. Yeah, 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 you like, can see it. You can <laughs> see it. And at that time, Kessler and Frotch were like rock stars in their various countries, too, right? They were big names and at real the time. Quick, I don't blame anybody for not picking us. Like, right. I probably wouldn't have picked me. I was a young mm. guy. Yeah, I had the gold medal, but I, I hadn't done anything as a, as a pro. Mm. My biggest win was a guy named Edison Miranda, who was a beast. He mm. was a top contender, mm. right? Yeah. That was my biggest win as yeah. a professional. So I don't blame anybody for not picking me. But I was also going to use that as fuel and ammunition <laughs> as well. This. I was going to use this. it. So he goes on to win that like he wins everything else. This is the thing you said through. I just want to hear everybody, everyone just hear things I hear that I think are important. I do think that 
there are times in your life where if you don't jump on an opportunity, you will regret it the rest of your life. That there is timing to when you win. Oh there gosh. are moments, and yeah. you've said this a few times where Virgil said this to you. And for a lot of you that are chasing what you're chasing, you may get fatigued of that chase, but there's got to be this part that goes, if I don't jump on this now, this may never come again for me. So your timing is so critical on winning the Super 6 tournament was a huge catalyst. Now let's talk some boxing stuff just for me because yeah, yeah, I want to know some it, stuff. Okay. I'm curious. Um, when you, I, I told you I was going to ask you this, and you haven't told me the answer, so I'm curious. Forget the training part just for a second. We're going to get to that. You are getting wrapped. You're about to go out yeah. okay, for a big fight. Yeah, You're yeah. getting wrapped up. I'm sure Virgil's talking to you. You're going through whatever your game plan was. What goes through you? Is there honest emotions here as a fighter? See, the thing about boxing to me is that it's different than every other sport. UFC has some of this as well, but the, the combat sports. This is a man and a man. Mano I, think, mano. I think people forget this. Like, even when you bat as a baseball hitter, there's another dude coming up after you. Yeah. If you ground out, the other dude could get the hit, right? Yeah. This is a man and a man. And I'm just curious, when you have that happening, you're getting, look at your physiology changed again, right? <laughs> but I'm just curious, like, when you're getting wrapped at that moment, mm. what's going through you emotionally? What are you, what's happening to you at that time? That moment can break a lot of men. Mm. You can have a great training camp. Uh, everything could be clicking. You could have a great fight week leading up to that moment. And that moment, as well as the walk to the ring, mm -hmm. you can lose it. Like you can lose your confidence. You can let fear overtake you. Um, and you can somehow convince yourself that you're not worthy to be there in that moment. Um, it's almost like an out-of-body experience. You hear people say, you know, a guy froze or, you know, he didn't, he didn't perform or it was a deer in the headlights. Like, that's what they're talking about. Like, you have, it's almost like a surreal moment, like this, this moment that you've been prepping for, talking about, building up to, the world has been talking about. Like, it's here. And the fact that it's actually here, like, it hits you in a, in a, in a, in a different kind of way. Like, you're getting wrapped. And you have the commission from whatever state you're fighting. They're coming in. They're checking on you. They're giving, they're giving you the countdown. We got 45 minutes. We got 30 minutes. We got 20. Then they come back in after you get your, your, uh, your gloves back on. And they, and they say, we got five minutes. We're walking in two and a half minutes. And they start to count you down. Like, whether you train good or not, that's running through your brain. Thinking about my wife and my kids. I'm thinking about the fact that the whole world is literally going to be watching me in just a few moments. I'm thinking about my critics. They got a front row seat. Mm -hmm. They got a front row seat. Thinking about my supporters and the people that are, are riding with me, getting behind me. They got a front row seat. They're watching. They're pulling for me. It's like this, like this controlled chaos that's going on, and it's literally an arena. It's, it's a... It's a with two gladiators getting ready to literally risk it all. Like, boxing is the only sport professional sport that I know of that one loss can change your pay scale. Mm. Like it's in the contract. If you lose a fight, your minimums can change. We can renegotiate those minimums. Mm. Like that's what's going through my head. Wow. And fear is very real. Really? Anxiety is very real. Mm. It's very present. And all the guys that say, I don't get nervous, yeah. I don't, I, it, I, I'm, I'm Iron Man, they're not being honest. Is that right? Like, that's very, very present. But that's where my faith comes in. And I start to believe beyond myself. I start to believe beyond the way that I'm feeling. Like, 
we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. We're called to walk by faith and not by feeling. Mm -hmm. So fear is present, but courage is going in the midst of fear. And I've had 32 fights before I retired. I had to do that every single time. It's not mm -hmm. like, oh, this is the 25th time I've done this. It's easy mm -hmm. because one punch mm -hmm. can change your pay scale. One punch can change your life. Mm -hmm. And you're not guaranteed mm -hmm. to walk out the same way you walked in. Mm -hmm. So all of that is going through oh your mind, running through your body, and you gotta channel it. You gotta process it. And you gotta believe and you gotta be unwavering. And one thing I would always do was I would kind of just pace the locker room. And even though my team's in there, even though the commissioner's coming in and out, and again, this like controlled chaos. Television cameras are in your face. Producers are walking around. You hear the crowd. You hear the announcer. I would just talk to myself, it's my night. Mm. It's my night. I'm not going home without my belts. Like those types of things, they may seem corny to some people, but that stuff would really lift me up. Mm. And because a made up mind is a hard thing to break. Mm. And your mind has to be made up. <laughs> not walking to the ring mm. or when you step through those ropes, your mind has to be made up before you leave that locker room that mm. I'm not going to be broken. Oh. I will not lose tonight. Oh my gosh. You ever get uh, you ever get there where you're at the stare down and look at a dude and know you got him? Has that ever happened? Or is it on a professional level you just don't know? Has it ever happened the reverse where you're in that state, you're in that faith state, you're in that strong state, and you've looked, you're like, oh, I got this fool. Has that ever happened? You have to tell me who. Most times, no. Okay. Because as fighters, we can lie. Yeah. Yeah. We're good chameleons. Mm-hmm. Because in the sport of boxing, if you show weakness, yeah. the opponent's going to pounce. So we hide a lot of our emotions. You know, you got some guys that are scared to death, and they, they'll, they'll, they'll put a mask on. Mm. There's one time, one time in a 32-fight career that I knew I had a guy mm. at the weigh-in, Chad Dawson. You knew. You told me who it was. And he, by the way, Chad Dawson's a great fighter, yes, but you knew. How'd you know fighter. him? Why'd you know? He... <laughs> So you get a lot of rumors and you hear a lot of hearsay mm. in training camp. Yeah. This guy, you know, they'll call mm. my coach. And I stayed away from that stuff, but my coach always had his ear mm -hmm. to what was going on with my opponent. And he would decide on what he, would, what he wanted to share and what he wouldn't want to share. The guy, Edison Miranda, that I just told you about, mm. he was sparring with Chad Dawson to help Chad Dawson get ready for our fight. Big fight. Chad Dawson was the, the lineal light heavyweight champion, had just beat the, the great legendary Bernard Hopkins. Southpaw. The, the fight before, yes. Yep. Tall, rangy. Yep. He beat Bernard Hopkins. He's on HBO. Max Kellerman asked him, you know, Chad, what do you want next? I'm minding my own business. He calls my name. I had just won the Super Six. He said, I want Andre Ward. He said, I'll fight him in his hometown of Oakland, California, and I'll go down to his weight, too. And I said, really? <laughs> And I, and, I, and I like Chad, like I supported Chad and didn't see that coming. That was like the easiest fight that we ever negotiated right there. Yeah. And I held him to every single word that he spoke, <laughs> every word. Hey, come my way, my place. So they get into training camp and because he's losing so much weight, mm. his punch resistance isn't there. Mm. Edison Miranda can crack. Edison Miranda knocks him out and spawn. It is sparring. Stuff starts to circulate. Mm. Verge comes to me and said, listen, babe. He said, call me babe. Listen, <laughs> babe. I'm not saying this to get you off track. We got to stay focused. We're probably about two and a half, maybe three weeks away from the fight. Maybe about two and a half. 
He said, I'm hearing some things, man. I'm hearing that, that, that Edison Miranda, he knocked Chad out. I said, knocked him out. Mm-hmm. He said, knocked him out. Like they had to stop the sparring, help him up, and that was it for the day. Now, if you're a fighter, like, that's like the worst case scenario. Yeah. It's one thing if you get knocked out in a fight. You got small gloves on, no headgear, it yeah. happens. That's acceptable yeah. in some respects. In sparring, mm. nah, okay. nah. Not if you're the top dude. Mm. There may be a sparring partner getting knocked out, mm-hmm. but not the top guy, not the champion. That was a no-no. We started hearing rumors, some kind of process. I'm like, man, he got knocked out. Man, that's crazy. But in my mind, I'm always very much in my head, especially in training camps. I'm like, ah, maybe they're just floating that out there to get in my head or trying to get me off track. And that's what Verse said. He said, but don't, don't, you know, don't, don't worry about it too much. Just, you know, stay focused. We kept hearing stuff, kept hearing stuff. Nothing ever went on the airwaves. Nothing, nothing on the internet, nothing. Press conference came the week of the fight. I'm thinking, man, I wonder if they're going to say something. So rumor gonna come out if I'm gonna be asked about it. It's never asked about it. The weigh-in comes Friday, the fight Saturday. I said, now I'm gonna drop it on him. Now I'm gonna drop it on him. We go face to face. And his team, they're over there woofing. My team's kind of woofing a little bit. And I leaned in his ear and I said, hey man, I heard what happened in that gym. <laughs> I said, you better tighten it up tomorrow night. And you just see his shoulders just go, oh my God. and he's got this look on his face like, how did you know? <laughs> I won the fight with Chad Dawson right there. Oh, my gosh. We turn awesome. and look at the cameras, turn back and look at him before I walk off the stage. Mm. He, I broke him. Just you like just that. knew. Broke him. That is because an he, awesome he story. he got away with it. He, he thought he didn't know it. <laughs> it's too late. You can't get out of the that fight now. That is awesome, man. That so that was the awesome. only time I ever felt like I won a fight. When I right get at that face time. Off. Thank you for all of that insight of that and what it's like getting wrapped. Like, I don't thank know if you I've ever me. told that story before. It's awesome. Well, we're keeping it in whether you want to or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping that one in there. No, we, we do too much. So uh, you said that one punch. A couple more things on boxing, then we'll, we'll sh- shift because we're going to run out of time. But like, I could go three hours of this. But you said that one punch. Who's who, hardest you ever been hit by who? Hey, hey, hey. I would say it's tough to say one guy. But I would probably say the guy with the the, the strongest power, mm-hmm. the two guys with the strongest power, are Arthur Abraham, okay. and I heard rumors about him. Mm-hmm. The analogy people always gave was he, he feels like he's got bricks in his gloves. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the, my first fight with him, the only fight that we had in the first round, he hit me with a jab. A jab. And for those that don't know, that's a basic punch mm-hmm. in boxing, just a straight Mm-hmm. Straight punch. Bow, he hit me, and I, and I kind of buckled a little bit. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, boy, it's real. Mm-hmm. Everything they said was real. Mm-hmm. And that kept me on my toes and kept me on my game mm-hmm. the whole night. And then Edison Miranda, he hit like a mule. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his money punch was the right hand. That's pretty much all he had. He pulled mm-hmm. with the jab. Mm-hmm. He had these long arms. And if he, got, if he landed that right hand flush, a lot of guys went to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my first time facing a big puncher like that. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the worst I've ever felt after a fight, was fighting Edison Miranda. Those two guys probably had the most devastating power. So I thought you were going to say, and we'll wrap up the boxing piece here, I thought you were going to tell me Kovalev. So, I love your face when I said that. So, for those of you who don't know, so I'm a huge fan of yours, you know this. But um, now that we're friends, I need to tell you (laughs) that before you fought him. You a little worried? I was worried for you. So I thought, this is the crusher. This, yeah. this dude supposedly can really hit, right? And right. so so y'all don't know this. He, he beat him twice. 
And but but so just because those are the last couple fights, right? Yeah, so just last two fights. what would you just tell me about fighting him, prepping for him, getting hit by him, those fights? Anything you would tell me about the, those experiences? I mean, because the get, first fight was like, hey, it was uh, people thought it could have gone either way. way. The second fight, there was obviously no question. Yeah, no, I mean, Kovalev was like, he's a real deal. Mm -hmm. He's a real deal. Anytime you got a nickname like the Crusher, yeah, you better be able to hit hard. Mm -hmm. and, and he has good power. He has good power. It's not what I thought it was. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but he hits hard. And I, I think one thing that's always been overlooked in my career, you hear about, you know, people saying, oh, he's a good boxer, you know, Dre, you know, he can, he can do this, he can do that, but they never talk about my chin. And that's not really something I want to be known for. Because you don't want to get hit all the time. Hey, right? I'm not, that's not right. really not my thing, but like, I've fought the best punchers in the game. Hmm. And I've been down twice in a 32 fight career. Hmm. And I fought the best. And one of those times was against Sergey Kovalev. Mm-hmm. I can't get into too much because we're, you know, we're going to be putting out the documentary soon and yes. we're going to detail um, a lot of what happened in, in the pre-fight for Kovalev 1, but just went through a lot of different things physically for that fight. Um, I was moving up in weight from 168 pounds to 175 pounds, but again, I, like you just mentioned, I'm not going up there mm -hmm. just to fight some Rudy Poo. I'm yeah. fighting the best guy. This guy was the real deal. Yeah. Um, Russian fighter. Um, he was known for going into other people's hometowns and home mm -hmm. countries and like taking their belts. Yep. And nobody really wanted to fight him. And here I am, a guy that's in a lower weight class who's not really considered a big puncher, um, but has a lot of skill. And I've pretty much won everything at the lower weight class. And people are saying, man, he's going up in weight. Like the, the overall consensus was the critics were saying he bit off too much. Yeah. This is the guy that's finally going to get him. Yeah. And my supporters were saying Dre's going out boxing. We get into the fight, and the first thing I noticed about him was just how accurate he was. Hmm. Like, it wasn't necessarily that he hit hard. It was just, he was just very accurate. Like, I was thinking, and he was punching. Hmm. And the first round was just like, man, it was just like a blur. And I remember sitting down and Verge getting on me right away, saying, man, stop posing. Meaning, stop standing mm -hmm. still. Like, move your legs. Mm -hmm. Like, warm up. Get mm -hmm. moving. And I was just kind of like, man, I just, I, I don't know. I just kind of felt like I was in quicksand. Second round, he and I exchange, and I'm getting ready to throw a right hand. He's getting ready to throw a right hand, and his right hand gets there first. And I just see a flash, bam. I look up, oh, man, I'm on the canvas. Mm -hmm. I hear the crowd going crazy. I look up, the referee's in my face, six, seven, eight. And I stand up. In those moments, we talked about pre-fight, but in that moment, that's for sure a fight-or-flight type moment. Like, whatever you got on the inside, it's going to come out. If you got turn in you, it's going to come out. If you got any kind of coward in you, it's going to come out. If you got the dog in you, that's going to come out too. And I thank my dad for these types of moments because my dad had that dog in him. And he's the type of guy that would never start anything, but if you hit him, he's going to hit you back. And that was probably the best thing that could have happened to me in that first fight with Kovalev was for me to get knocked down because now I'm mad. Mm -hmm. Now I want to get that back. Hmm. And I'm no longer overthinking, trying to be perfect. Like, I was too busy. I was incensed with trying to get that moment back from him. And I found somehow, some way, man, by the grace of God, I clawed my way back into that fight. And I really felt like from the seventh round yeah. on, um, I broke him. Hmm. And when I say broke him, it doesn't mean that he quit. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that he threw in the towel. It means that he wasn't himself. Mm -hmm. I stopped him from being who he wanted to be that mm -hmm. night. And I eked out a win. Yeah. And I won the fight by the 12th round. If I'm not mistaken, two judges gave so, it to me. That's correct. 
one judge just gave it to him. Correct. One judge gave it to him, and uh, some people were not happy about That's it. Right. Yeah. And and some people were happy about it. And after the fight, I thought I was done. Mm. I thought I was done. Uh, I think it was a combination of just my career, like mm. the physical toil that it took to get ready for fights and then the actual fights. And then you see the reaction from the people. And it's like, man, I just gave my all. I just beat yeah. the boogie, man. I beat the monster. Yeah. And it's still not enough. Mm. And I didn't do anything for three months after that fight. And that's a no-no for me. Like, I, I always do something. I'll take, you know, maybe three, four weeks off, mm -hmm. let my body heal, and then yeah. I'll start to do some run-in, some mm -hmm. light shadow box, and I'll get back in the gym little by little. I, like, had no desire. Like, literally for three months straight. And I remember going to see my pastor, Napoleon Kaufman, former Raider running back. Really? He's yeah, your pastor? That's my pastor. He go, did he go to Notre Dame or Navy? No, he went to UW, University of Washington. That's right. Okay, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. From Lumpolk. I remember him. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I remember going to him, and, you know, he, he abruptly retired after yeah. six years in the league and started a church, and he's been doing great. I said, man, Pastor, I don't know, man. I said, I, I think I'm done, man. He said, man, why do you say that? I said, I haven't done anything in three months. I said, that's not like me. I have no desire to do this. And I thought he was going to co-sign with me. Yeah. And he kind of sat there like he did. He said, you know, Dre, I, he said, I think you'll be fine if you stop right now. He said, but I, I can see you doing one more. And I remember, like, I was thankful for what he told me, but at the same time, I was disappointed. I'm like, like, what? <laughs> Wait a second, <laughs> you're permission. supposed to give me that extra right, little right, off to, like, right. give me the courage to walk away. Yeah. And he challenged me. He said, man, I can see you doing one more. I said, really? I said, but yeah, but I just told you I have no desire to do it. I haven't been to the gym. He said, I know, I know. He, says, he said, but once you make up your mind that you want to do the second fight, he said, the fire will be rekindled. Hmm. And he just sat there. And I got up and I walked out. And again, I had mixed emotions. I was like, man, I appreciate him. Man, that wasn't what I thought he was going to say. Mm. And he challenged me just to go a little bit longer, go a little bit further. And I was content, even though I knew I was going to get some heat and people were going to say, you're running from Kovalev, you lost the first fight, you're scared mm. to fight the second fight. I knew I was going to get that, but I was over it. Mm. Drove home and talked to my wife and mulled over her for about another week. And I picked up the phone. I told my team, I said, man, get the money right. I said, we'll do the second fight. Mm -hmm. And just like that, the desire kicked the, back the, It did come back. You trained just as rigorously for that fight as any I other fight. I had the best training camp for that fight than I probably ever had in my whole career. I was the happiest. Mm. Um, I just enjoyed it again. Okay. The first fight, physical issues, it was just a lot of pressure. Like, it was just a lot. It just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. But once I got through that and got to this other side, man, I had a great camp and I was happy. Yeah. I had the bounce back in my legs. My body was, felt good. I just mentally, I, like me and Verge had planned to knock him out. Mm. That was the first thing Verge said when I went back to the gym. He said, we're going to stop him. And in my mind, I'm like, all right, how? Like, <laughs> give, give me the how. That's the what. What's yeah, the how? how? He said, we're going to hit him to the body. Mm. He said, you broke him that second half of that fight. He was exhausted. Mm. He said, we're going to pick up where we left off. And the camp was just amazing. It was amazing. Amazing. Like we had, you know, bumps and bruises, but that was the best camp emotionally that I've had in a long so time. So that leads to the big question. Like, he retired. By the way, if you want to see something, it's unbelievable. So this was a dominant win, okay? I think your best fight, myself, because of who it was against, too. But So you want to see an emotional clip. Go to his Instagram, which we're going to promote at the very end. We're going to promote some things here in a minute that I want you all to see that are awesome that he's doing. 
But let me just be clear with you. You need to go watch this video. It's, it's emotional to watch. I told him I got teary-eyed watching it alone, right? But so you lost a little of your juice after the first fight. You found it. Then he retired after this fight. Okay. But, like, still the dominant fighter that you are. Like, why not fight again? Do you know you're not going to fight again? Or is there the chance that something like that happens again and that fire gets rekindled and we see you back in the ring again? Because he walked in there and I'm like, this dude is fit. I mean, ready to go. It. It's been a year Friday that he decided yes. to retire. But, yeah. like, really? Yeah. You know how boxers are. Like, really? Now, he's saved some money. He's not your normal boxer. Yeah. But be real. Like, is there a door open? I know you can't. Like, is it cracked open? Is it possible? The right dude came along called you out whatever like be don't don't do the tv answer do the real answer like is there a chance that you would fight again listen it's not something i'm planning you know it's not something i'm planning it's not something that's being mapped out mm-hmm. um but i'm also smart enough to know that you don't know how things are going to unfold you just don't know. Mm-hmm. So I'm always going to keep myself in some kind of shape. Yeah, you're smirking. I'm always keep my eye on the game and just see who's mm-hmm. who and what's going on. Um, but I'm not planning on it. Mm-hmm. Like, the why is what we're going to address in my mm-hmm. upcoming documentary. Yeah. Unguarded. Let's talk about that. And I named it Unguarded because my harshest critic will say that Andre's guarded. He doesn't give you anything. Mm-hmm. And... Some of that is true, but a lot of them haven't taken the time to ask why. Like, we just met. Mm -hmm. I followed you. I know your body of work, um, but I feel like I can talk to you. Thank you. You know, it's kind of like a kindred spirit there. So you want to open up to a person like that. And sometimes the media, they come off abrasive and they kind of want the story for the wrong reason. Mm -hmm. And based on my upbringing and everything that I've had to go through, like, I'm, I'm sensitive with my story, man, and I'm sensitive with my whys, and I'm sensitive with all those things, and this is one of the first times that I'm gonna, like, really open up, and not just open up, but, like, show people uh, why the best fighter at that time a year ago walked away from, from tens of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and without giving too much away, like, of course, you know, there's a lot of factors. There's, there's you know, wanting to preserve my long-term health. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm dealing with physical issues. I've had multiple surgeries, and, and, and I've, you know, to use your line, like, I've, I've maxed out. Mm-hmm. Like, I poured myself out. Mm-hmm. Like, I've literally given everything that I was supposed to give. Like, when I jumped rope, I gave it everything I had. When I shadow boxed, I gave it everything I had. And liter- literally to the point where my coaches had to pull me back. Mm-hmm. and say, man, don't leave it all in here. Like, that's all mm-hmm. I know is to give it everything I have because, like, I, I've had a 20-year win streak since I've been a baby, 14 years old. And that doesn't come easy. And yes, I can have the faith in God, and yes, I can have all that stuff, but faith without works is dead. And I put in that work. So I got to a point where I said, there's only a handful of guys that have walked away like this, a handful. And there's even a smaller percentage of guys that left undefeated. And I didn't just pad my record and then say I'm undefeated. Like, I fought the best, the best available competition. And I just woke up one day, and I had tens of millions of dollars on the table. Mm -hmm. And I told my wife, I was like, I don't want to do this no more. Mm. You know, I don't want to do this no more. And I said, and even me saying it, like, it's taboo. 
-hmm. You're not supposed to say that as a, as a professional athlete mm -hmm. more, and, and more importantly, a fighter. Mm -hmm. Because when you start using the R word, mm -hmm. the writing's on the wall. Yeah. It's time to go. And uh, she said, babe, if you're saying that, I feel like the decision is already made. Mm. And you know you got my full support. And um, the video that you just mentioned, for some reason that video was in my head. Like I had it. I said, man, I want my, and those boys that were in the video were my sons. Oh, wow. I, I said, I want to show people like my career at each stage mm. as a young kid and then, you know, young teenager mm. and then, you know, older teenager. And then I want to let them know that I accomplished everything that I set out to accomplish. I got people that love me. I got, I got critics, you know. I've done it all that I wanted to do. I've made enough money. Um, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And there's a piece of this decision that was for me, but then there's also a piece that was for the sport that I love, a sport that I've given, given up a childhood for and given my life to. You know, fighters are not always revered. When you say certain fighters' names, you get a certain reaction. When you bring up the name boxing and you don't love the sport like you, mm. Most people's reaction is, ah, you know, mm. and they have something negative to say after that. And one thing that they always say is, ah, you know, those fighters, man, you know, they hang on too long. Mm. And I went to Canastota, New York about three years ago to the International Boxing Hall of Fame. And it was such a, it was a rewarding moment. It was a, it was an awesome moment. I'm seeing fighters that I grew up watching and I'm talking to them and we're getting at each other like, man, I ought to beat you, man, you're too small. And we just had a great two or three days. But then I also saw the ones that, that neurologically weren't mm -hmm. good or maybe didn't have the money, tangible, yeah. you know, proof of what they did all these years. And it bothered me. Mm. And, and I don't want to, I didn't want to be another one of those guys. Mm. Like when is enough enough? Yeah. Like you can always say there's more money out there. But the question that me and my wife kept asking ourselves is what do we do with what we had? Yeah. With what was in already in our hands. Yeah. And since I retired, don't get me wrong, like I missed the boxing checks because mm -hmm. they were plentiful. Sure. They, they were large. Yes. Um, but but they come with a price. Yeah. And I just wasn't willing to put my put my body through that anymore. And again, I'm a person that that gave it all I had or I don't want to do it at all. And if I can't give it all I have and if I don't think my body's going to respond like I needed to, I don't want to wait until some young guy has to show me that I don't have it anymore. I'd rather leave on top and try to set an example for the next generation and say, man, you know what? I'm gonna do the Andre Ward. Oh, wow. You just have this overabundance of character. Thank and you, so man. that's what overflows from you, right? And I do believe in life, there's these chapters of our lives. And I think, you know, and I wanna make sure that everyone knows about this documentary too, is like, that's one of these chapters, just the preview alone is just gripping. It's like unbelievable. I can't wait for this to get out into the, into the world. And you're turning the page. And one of the things about you, because your character is so, uh, by the way, selfishly, I hope as you keep turning these pages that sometime over the next two or three years, again, the, the, the chapter turns where you feel the desire to do that or mm -hmm. should do it. But I admire and respect you for not doing it, too, because there is so much to be said to be finishing the way that you have. And because of your character, because of your composure, your elegance, the way you communicate, you have a lot of other opportunities outside man, of boxing you, too, man. right? I mean, you thank know you. that. And so let's talk about a couple of those things and then I wanna finish with your family. Okay. Um, and thank you for today. And man, thank you thank for, you. thank you for being such an amazing example of what a good, decent, godly man can do in life. And um, it means a great deal to me that the world gets even more exposure to somebody like you. And I also feel like, and I'm not just saying this, starting to get to know you, 
I think boxing is going to be a, a part of your life, but I just have this feeling that the next 30, 40 years are going to be extraordinary for you, mm. like the best years of your life. Mm. Because boxing may someday just be your old story. Yeah. You know, I really do believe that about yeah, you. Thank so you, bro. I appreciate it. He does all kinds of stuff. So you've seen him do, mm-hmm. you know, commentary for HBO. He just did the the ESPN, the Canelo Triple G fight, which we both agreed that we both think that Canelo won that fight, which is in the I minority. So. <laughs> in the minority. But um, mm-hmm. I'm curious, though. you got a couple other cool things cooking right now. Uh, you're the host of The Contender, yeah. which is like, to me, one of the great, like it's the original reality yeah, show. Yeah. So tell them a little bit about that, where they can find it, and and why they should find it. Yeah, no, this, I mean, this this year that I've been retired has been just just uh, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that you know, I'd say concern. You be, you're concerned about when you retire and you go from one thing that you've done for for multiple decades, and you're trying to transition into the next phase of life is, like, what am I going to do? Like, you you want to challenge, you want to channel that that competitiveness, that 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 drive, and all those different things. And I was like, man, I, I don't know. And my close brothers, they'd be like, bro, God's going to open up something for you. And I'm like, yeah, I know he can, but like, will he? And I don't know what it's going to look like. And I, I, I barely retired before the phone started ringing, <laughs> you know. And, and one of the opportunities was to host The Contender. So cool. A show that Sylvester Stallone mm-hmm. and Sugar Ray Leonard hosted back in 2004, 2005, 2006. I think the last airing was 08 or something like that. I grew up watching that show. Yeah. I saw the, you know. The fighters that were on there yeah. and the Sergio Moras Sergio and Moore. all yeah. these different guys that I was like, man, this dude just won a million dollars, man. Yeah. Like he, he went from being just a, a contender to yeah. a household name. Yep. Like I wanted to be on the show and now they're calling me to actually host the show. So cool. Uh, spent a month out in Los Angeles and uh, stayed in Marina Del Rey. And could have stayed here. You can stay here next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was a lot of work. The first day was probably the roughest day for me. They, they gave me a script the day before, like this big. I was like, all right, learn this by tomorrow. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Like, <laughs> memorize the whole thing? So I went and memorized the whole thing, mm. not getting sleep. I'm trying to figure it out. And I was so nervous on the first day. Like, I walk out of the office, and all 16 fighters are standing there for the first time. They surprise me. They give me a round of applause, and they're like, man, that's Ward. And I'm, like, trying to process that and, like, memorize my lines. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. <laughs> so I'm playing it off. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I hope nobody can tell when they watch the first episode. Yeah. Um, we got through the first day, and then Eric said, uh, the executive producer said, he said, hey, man, forget the script. He said, we got a few things we got to hit. Hit those things, but be you. Yeah. And from day two on, man, I just flowed. Flowed. I was just Andre Ward. And it was a blessing, man. Where do they ble- find it? Where do they find it? So you go to epics.com. If you don't have it with your cable provider, um, you can get caught up on all the previous episodes. Or again, you can just call your cable provider and, and just get, get, get a trial there. And we got 12 episodes uh, coming up. And the finale is actually going to be live in Las Vegas, uh, December, I think, December 8th. Oh, very December cool. 7th, December 8th. Uh, so just it, man, it's 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 not just boxing. You have real human interest stories. Yeah. You have like what we just did today. Yeah. You have that on the show with them. Yeah, it's the ultimate reality show, y'all, because it's not just filming some dudes eating cheeseburgers in restaurants. These guys are fighting for their lives. It humanizes the fighters. Oh man, it was it. I I, I can remember Sergio Mora very clearly. And by the way, he went on to have a pretty decent career after that. A great too, right? career, made yeah, millions of dollars. Didn't have your career, but he had a great career. So Sly is important to me and you in your life because not only did you do the Contender, not only have this documentary going, not only are you still doing broadcasting, but you're also in Creed too. Creed too, right? So that's pretty cool. So tell them a little bit about that. Like now you're an actor too, on top of it. So. <laughs> 
So you're coming out in Sly's movie, in, yeah. in Creed too. It's not just yeah. Sly's movie, but so talk a little bit about that. What was that experience like? I mean, Both just to, of them. Yeah, I was in Creed one. Uh, Ryan Coogler, who uh, directed the first one, as a friend of mine, and um, he called me and basically said, "Bro, I got a, I got a, I got a, I got a role for you." Mm. Like, what do you mean here? Like, I don't act. He's like, yeah. "I got a role just for you." Mm. Read the script, uh, was nervous as all get out. Mm. Uh, but but he helped me out a lot, man. He encouraged me, went out there. I felt like we did a great job in the first one. Then the second one started coming around. I'm like, man, they haven't called yet. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I wonder if they're going to bring my character, mm-hmm. Danny Stuntman Wheeler, back. Mm-hmm. And um, I sent Michael B. Jordan a message. I was like, hey, bro, uh, they going to bring uh, Danny back? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's, it's happening, bro. Don't worry about it. Next day, I got a call from Stephen Capel, mm-hmm. who took over for Ryan Coogler, mm-hmm. because obviously Ryan Coogler just did Black Panther, yes. killed it, knocked it out of the Huge. park. Right. Uh, historical numbers. Yep. Uh, Stephen Capel went to USC, just like Ryan. They're friends. They're you know kind of working together on Creed too, and uh, he was a big help. He said, mm-hmm. "Bro, we're bringing you back. This is what we want you to do." So it's a bigger role than it was the first time. Uh, I'm excited. It's coming yeah. out Thanksgiving weekend, yeah. and uh, I'll just give you guys this: you're gonna see me in a light that you haven't seen me in before on Creed two. Really? Yeah. So don't okay. miss it. All right. So hey, Thanksgiving weekend. So we got all this stuff for yeah. His career. In boxing, like, literally the phone starts ringing right after. It's like, you got even more stuff cooking, it seems like, right now, right? So Listen, man, like, sometimes the things that you want and the things that you desire, they're on the other side of that leap, that leap of faith. Like, I don't think this stuff would have come if I'd have said, man, I'm going to go another year or two. Like, mm-hmm. I had to be courageous enough to walk away mm-hmm. and then take that leap of faith and have that small little season where you're kind of in limbo. Yeah before these opportunities will come, and they came. The problem with this interview is that there's so many minutes like what you just did. I don't know how I'm going to cut this into just the stuff they'll use because it's like the gold in like so many different places. And I just think that you and boxing are such great metaphors for life and mm. business and success and all mm. that. But there's been all these running themes. We're running out of time. I've enjoyed this so flipping much, man. Hey, like man, I, wish, I wish we just could keep going. But there's these running themes with you, which is obviously your character. It's obviously your faith, but also family. And I wanted that to be the last part of what we talked about today, because this man has five children. Five. Five, people. Let, By that, the way, let that sink in. Yeah, and, and let it sink in that he also then walked away from those big checks with five children. So you really got to be walking by faith, right? Because, Come on now. <laughs> because five children, and your daughter is four months old? Is that right? My, my son. Your yeah. son, four months old. So he's got four boys and a little girl, yep. right? But his son is four months old. That's right. His son is gorgeous, by the way. That We saw the picture Thank of him, you, my man. wife and I. But, but so... Five babies. Your wife is your high school sweetheart. Yeah. I mean, are you all hearing this? Like, seriously. Y- y'all, remember the ladies in the bidding? I told you, stick around because you're going to love this man. There's going to be value. I told you this wasn't just boxing. I told you this is it's all life. about life. It's life. All about life. But I just think you're this like, man, like, of all the stories you hear, it's like and I, millions and millions of people know who you are, but like, you're just one of the great men in sports. Like, you're just one of the great men. People need to know that you can be this caliber of man. And that you ladies, by the way, that men like this exist, yeah. right? That are flawed, that are that, that go through ups and downs, but that are good men. And so how important to you, and just speak mm-hmm. to like, like, I know because we've talked enough about it, but like, what's family mean to you? Man, it's right there with my faith. I got my faith and I got my family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like anything else, you just mentioned, you know, boxing be, being a metaphor for my life. And that's what it is. Like, you know, whether it's having a, you know, Marrying my high school sweetheart when I was scared to death at 20 years old and not knowing, you know, if I was going to be able to deal with this and be faithful and, and, mm-hmm. and just hold the fort down and be a man. 
or or raising kids. Me, me and my, my wife had, you know, our first child at 17 and 16 years old. Like, the odds were against, against us. You. And we weren't supposed to be where we are now. Um, and I would just tell people, like, it's a fight, man. You yeah. got to fight for your marriage. You got you to fight to raise your kids the right way. And mm -hmm. sometimes things happen that are unexpected, and, and, but you keep fighting. Mm -hmm. you, like, you don't give in. You can't mm -hmm. just give up. You know, and there's times that I get on my wife's nerves and sure. there's times that she may get on my nerves. And, but like, we're not like, like leaving is not an option. Hmm. Like we're gonna ride this thing out. I love you, you getting on my nerves. I'm gonna go, down, <laughs> go downstairs and get away for a minute and, hmm. and I'll be back up and we, we're gonna keep loving on each other. So hmm. uh, I'm just thankful, man. I don't like, I don't know where I would be without like having that foundation. Like if I didn't have my wife Tiffany there uh, to kind of, you know, to give me that, from time to time when I'm getting out of line, I don't know. Like her and I learned the business of boxing together. There's times when we're overlooking contracts and we're letting our manager know or we're letting our, our lawyer know like, hey, did you guys look at this clause right here? And it's like, uh, yeah, but man, that's a good catch. We'll get back to you. Hmm. Like that's her and I, wow. you know, when I wanted to retire, hmm. when I'm dealing with, you know, the critics and, and trying to process that and, you know, she's there for me to vent to. Hmm. Like she, she's my everything. and. Virgil to always tell me, he said, I always knew you were a one-woman man. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, how'd you know? He said, I could just tell you weren't a good player. You didn't do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> he said, but you, I could always tell that was you. And he used to say, son, he said, you having a wife at a young age is going to make you a better fighter. Mm. And I think he was right. I think he was right. Mm. I, I think you're such a, um, a decent man, a good man. Thank you, man. And, uh, I'm so glad, everybody, that one of my heroes, even though I'm much older than him, when you meet your hero sometimes in life, you can be disappointed. And it's very rare when you meet somebody that you admire from a distance that they exceed your expectations. Man. And you exceed mine. Man, thank you, I think brother. you're, I think you're you, tremendous. Brother. I want to do whatever I can to help you in the new chapters of your life. I've thank told you, you that off camera. I mean that. And um, there are so many things here today for people that um, I'm going to go out of my way to promote this thing, but I want to make sure that I promote you too. So where can they find you so they can interact with you? So yeah. where would you like to send them to find you? You're going to have your documentary, but they're going to find all these things probably through your social media yeah, or I'm, website. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at, uh, okay. at Andre Ward, and I'm on Instagram at, at Andre S-O-G Ward. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very active on, on, okay. on social. Um, my website, AndreSOGWard.com. Mm -hmm. uh, we got merchandise. We have just like real, just like the latest news. Again, I'm very active, so I communicate back. I'm a very tangible person. Yeah. So feel free to reach out. Come holler, man. I'm, I'm there. So, so you all know, um, SOG, when he would get introduced in the ring, it was son of God. Just so you know what that stands for, everybody. So this man has all of his career stood for what he stands for now. And um, I really do believe this. I really do. I don't know if you get back in the ring or not. Selfishly, I hope you do. But, but I really do. <laughs> no have, pressure, though. <laughs> I do, no pressure. But I do have this sense that the next 30, 40 years are going to be the best chapters of your life, brother. Mm. I just really do sense that. And I'm so grateful that you were here today. Um, I actually covered the things I wanted to cover, which is incredible in the mm. interview. Mm. So it was uh, absolute joy to have you here today. So thank you so much. I received everything you said, brother. Thank nah. you for having God me. God bless you. So, I'm honored. So good today. I'm honored. So hey, everybody. I know what you're thinking. You're like, I can't believe this, right? So please follow him on social media. You already follow me or you wouldn't be watching this. But remember also one thing on social media. We run the two-minute drill every single day on Instagram, which is essentially this, that when I make a post in the main feed, if you just make a comment within the first two minutes, 
with hashtag max out. I pick a winner every single day. They get coaching calls with my guests, coaching calls with me, my book, free gear, you name it. So make sure you're interacting with me on social media. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, subscribe on iTunes, and leave a review as well. We maxed out today. I want to challenge you to max out your life and take all of the gold, all the keys from Andre today and put them into works in your own life. God bless you and max out.